0: Welcome. We are so glad you joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Oh, it's good. Let, let's get right into this. If you're like following actual Bible, Leviticus chapter 16, we're going to talk about the riveting book of Leviticus. It'll be very, very good. Um, it's so good to be here with you. And thank you all for coming out. This is such a, a big turnout. And I really am um, honored to be a part of this and, and to have you as my Harvey Bay family. And I uh, love it, and I love your pastors. We've become good friends over time, and just they're just great people. And um, on your way out tonight, I do have a table set up at the back uh, with our resources. Again, 100% of what we make from that, we give to the poor and the afflicted. Um, the only thing I would ask, if you could do me a favor, if you do not want anything, God bless you. I'll see you next time. If you know that you're going to get something, if you would do so in the first 10 minutes, uh, the reason is I've got to pack it up, and I've got to go back to Brisbane tonight. And so originally I was flying, and the the schedule got, not to bore you with the details, the schedule got stuffed up a bit. And so I had to end up driving, but my appointments tomorrow were scheduled for me flying on the morning flight. So I've got to go back tonight, all right? So if you guys could be really kind to me and uh, pick up what you want really quick. Um, In other words, I'd like to get home, you know, I don't know. Twelve thirty instead of 1 30 that would be, be really really good all right so that, that that'd be great so all right, all right let's get into this i get to, i get to open the bible tonight and uh take that seriously so anytime you open the scripture you want to ask a few questions one what happened and two more importantly what's happening in me right now because of what happened so i want to talk to you tonight about how to handle regret now, as soon as I say that, everybody should sort of perk up, right? Because if I said I want to talk about parenting, half the room would be like, oh, okay. The other half be like, well, whatever, right? right? If I said I want to talk about marriage, some people would be excited. Some people would be like, oh, good grief, right? 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 But regret, regret's one of those things that is universal. All of us have it. I'm talking about, I'm talking about that, that, that part of your life that you pray to God never ends up on Facebook. <laughs> you know, that. I, I'm talking about the part of your life where... If you had a do-over, you would certainly take the do-over, but you don't have a do-over, but people treat you as if you do, right? That. Uh, I'm talking about that thing you did or you went through, and then you meet a new group of people, and you worry about how much of your story to tell the new group because they might think less of you, and it's really none of their business, but if they ever find out, you worry about that, and you live with that tension as well. Um, That. Like, what do you do with regret? What do you do with this? See, see, this is a question that asked forever. Thank goodness we don't live in ancient Sumerian culture. In ancient Sumerian culture, if you asked the holy men, "What do I do to handle my regret?" they said, "Just cut yourself." And the problem was they didn't know how many cuts to do. So, so what if you do ten cuts? But the magic number is eleven, and you still go to bed wondering, "Have I done enough to please the gods so that the gods will bring rain?" Uh, in, in one monk's uh, journal from the 1500s, he said, I prayed on my knees on stone floors until they bled. Which leads to all kinds of questions like, what kind of God do you picture in your head that would take pleasure in you causing pain to yourself in order to just be nice to you? Um, there's all kinds of answers to this. But I think perhaps the best answer is one of the oldest answers on earth. Here's what happened in Leviticus. And think about how gracious this was to a group of people that weren't really sure about, you know, how much God expects. Here's what he did. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set aside one day every year. It's the holiest day of the year. And we're going to make a command that, Actually, you don't see this command anywhere else. Shabbat Shabbaton, absolutely no work. In other words, no one's allowed to do anything at all on this day. Because on this day, God is going to give everybody a clean slate, a fresh start, a mulligan, an opportunity to write a better story. That on this day, we're going to take all the regrets from the previous year and we're going to empty them out. And then everybody gets a do-over, a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, an opportunity to write a better story. If I could use a bucket as an illustration. The idea of this day was if we put all of our regrets for the whole year in this bucket, and we're going to bring this bucket, and we're not going to do anything with it. Because we're not going to, we're not going to have to do anything to empty it. God is just going to empty our buckets. And we're going to start next year with a clean bucket. The idea is, is you can't take this year's regrets into next year. Because if you take this year's regrets into next year, next year you have two buckets. And if, and, and if you don't do it again, you'll have three buckets. And before you know it, you'll have to consolidate it into a barrel. And if you don't make a regular practice of letting stuff go, at some point, you'll need a crane to pick up your life. And so, so that's what they would do, is they, they would say, hey, say, hey, empty bucket. Empty, empty regrets. Now, what you do with your next year is a clean slate. Now, don't show up next year with the same bucket. Change your life. If God gives you a clean slate, write a better story. If he gives you a mulligan, take a better shot. Right? And so every year they would set this aside. Now, this was early in the story, Leviticus. Right? Now, later they said his mercy was new every morning. And then later, Jesus said, actually, the God revealed in Christ is, I forgive 70 times seven for the same sin in the same day. So if you can't go with Jesus because that's just too nice, that's okay. At least go back to forgiving yourself and others once a day. And if you can't do that, at least do it once a week. And if you can't do that, at least start forgiving yourself and others once a year. And if your concept of God is meaner than Leviticus, it's time to change, right? (laughs) Like, if we're holding things against people that's more than a year old, our concept of God is meaner than Leviticus. And this day was called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And by the way, that day is today. And I don't mean like symbolically, today's your Yom Kippur. I mean like, no, literally, today is Yom Kippur. Um, In Israel, they're celebrating Yom Kippur right now. So I thought, what a better day. Then to talk about how to handle regret. And my goal, I have four goals. One, I want you to be empowered on how to handle regret. Two, maybe more importantly, I want you to be empowered on how to handle their regret. Three, I want you to understand where Jesus fits in the story and why he's so radical. And four, I want us to understand the power of celebration. So here we go. Leviticus 16. This is the account of how Yom Kippur is to work. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. So if you could picture everybody that could possibly make it would show up on this day with this rule. You cannot do anything. The priest does Everything. The reason is, is because if people were allowed to do something, at some point there would be a group of people saying, it's because of what we did that God forgave us. And if we ever did that, then we would make our ritual the thing for forgiveness. And then anybody who's done that ritual is now forgiven. Anybody who hasn't done that ritual, they wouldn't be forgiven. So these people would be in and these people would be out. And if, and if Christianity ever became that, that would be terrible. So aren't you glad we escaped that one? So here's what happened, right? In, in Leviticus, the forgiveness of God was nobody's allowed to do anything. You'd show up. And this day centered around two goats. One goat for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Next slide. Let's say it this way. So this offering, this thing centered around two goats. There was a goat for the Lord. If I could be elemental with it, you had two goats and he would cast lots. And the lot that fell to the goat for the Lord, that's the goat for the Lord. It's going to be a very, very, very bad day for that goat. Okay? But can we just all be honest? If you're born a goat, it's a bad day. Right? Right? So the goat, the goat for the Lord was going to be taken into the temple to be sacrificed. But the second goat was the goat for the scapegoat. Now, this is the most important word that I'm going to teach you tonight. The word in Hebrew translated scapegoat is Azazel. All right. So I want us to say that with some go Bayside Harvey Bay gusto, because you guys have some energy. Okay. It sounds like this. Azazel. Ready? Here we go. Go. Azazel, right? So there was two goats. One goat for the Lord, and the other was, what was his name? It's really important, everybody together. Azazel. So the priest would cast lots, and there was these two goats. And one goat was for the Lord, and the other was for Azazel. Now, Azazel is a weird word. It gets translated scapegoat. In the Afrikaans Bible, they just leave it Azazel. They it's, it's, what do you do with that? Azazel literally means take him away now obviously that doesn't read well in English he's the last he's the cast lots for the two goats one lot for the Lord and the other for the take him away (laughs) in English that doesn't work Or it can mean a weapon in the hand of the enemy. The idea is, he's to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the weapon in the hand of the enemy. Again, not a great sentence in English. So they translate it scapegoat. But the idea is Azazel. And we're going to take all your regrets. Everybody's got your bucket of regrets. Everybody's got that. And we're going to put it on the head of Azazel. And we're going to take him away. You see this in modern pop culture in the Marvel comics in the Marvel comics, there's a thing called X-Men. And one of the X-Men, his name is Azazel. And Azazel's special power is he can grab people and take them away, right? That's the idea, is to take, make something disappear. Take it away. Remove it. The other idea is, is the weapon in the hand of the enemy, we're going to remove it. And for most of us, the weapon in the hand of the enemy is our failures, our regrets. Like, the enemy doesn't have to attack us. We do enough to attack ourselves, and he just reminds us of it and just beats us to death with it. So the idea is, is the weapon in the hand of the enemy, we're going to remove that. We're going to take him away. So this day centered around two goats, one goat for the Lord, and the other was, it's really important, what was his name? Azazel. Azazel means take him away. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the Yom Kippur ceremony, and I'm going to point out, How the gospel writers, particularly John, explain the meaning of Jesus by using Yom Kippur as the background. And that makes sense. He took something the people understood and said, hey, if you want to understand what Jesus means, think of it this way. Next slide. Let's say it this way. So, Leviticus 16. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat, chosen by Lot as the Azazel, shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement... By sending it into the desert as the Azazel. So, Yom Kippur centered around two goats. One goat for the Lord. And the other goat for Azazel to be taken away. In other words, this day centered around one goat that handled everything in private. But a second goat, because the people won't believe it without seeing it, handled it in public This is exactly how the gospel writers frame Jesus, that everything that was true in Jesus Christ was true before the foundation of the world, that Jesus did not inaugurate a new reality about God. He just simply showed you what God was always like, that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world, but you would not believe it without seeing it. So in these last days, he showed you so that we could see it. So in one sense, there was this inside goat that no one saw, but then there's the outside goat that everyone saw and the outside goat is alive. Now, there are two elements to this. One, the goat for the Lord. So let's walk through that part of the ceremony And then we'll walk through the goat for Azazel. Next slide. So, yeah, the goat for the Lord. So the goat for the Lord would be taken inside. They would tie the goat to the altar, right? The priest would tie the goat to the altar. Now, no one's seeing this. Everybody's outside. It would be a logistical nightmare. Half a million people trying to fit into a small building. No, you stay outside. I'm going to handle something inside, and then I'll come out. And the goat for Azazel is going to show you what the goat for the Lord accomplished, right? So here's what they would do. They would take the goat, and they would tie the goat to the altar, right? And the first thing they would do is something called the laying on of hands. Now, again, words matter less than how we picture words functioning. For us, particularly in a Pentecostal tradition, we think laying on of hands, and this is what we picture. Right? And, and, and fine, I mean, if that's what you do. But, but here's the thing. Laying on of hands was the Hebrew word mala. Can I hear you say that with that gusto? Ready, go. Mala. Now, mala didn't mean to actually touch somebody. It meant to impart something that's within your authority to impart, right? So, so would rabbis have laid hands on sick people? Yes. But would they have touched them? No. But would they lay laid hands on them? Yes. But would they have touched them? No. But would they have laid hands on them? Yes. But would they have touched them? No. Think about that till tomorrow. Now, what would happen is, is my law was I have the authority to impart something over the top of somebody else. So when we lay hands on the sick, it's the authority to heal. In this case, the priest was given the authority to put all the sins of Israel onto the goat. All of your regrets, all your buckets. We're going to put it on to this goat. We're going to mala. Now, what rabbinical tradition says is that when the priest was putting the sins of Israel onto this goat, the pressure of it forced the priest to turn his head. It looks something like this. Hang on a second. The gospel writer said when Jesus was on the cross and the father put the sins of the whole world onto Jesus, what did he have to do? Is this this the day God just lets it all go? Yom Kippur is the day God just lets it all go. Gives everybody a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, a mulligan, an opportunity to write a better story. Is what we're seeing on the cross the day God just lets it all go? The second part of the story of, of, of the ceremony was called the press. This is quite rugged, but what they would do is they would put the sins onto the goat, and then the priest would literally lay on the goat, reach around, and squeeze the goat. The goat, right? It was, it, the idea was, we really, 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 really need to get the sins in the goat. Now, here's the play on words. The Hebrew word for press is Gethsemane. Oh, wait a minute, the gospel writers say that in the garden of... Yeah, what was Jesus' prayer? Father, I'm pressed with the sins of the whole world. This is Yom Kippur language. This is the gospel writer saying, hey, I think we're witnessing right in front of us the day God just lets it all go. I think this is the physical manifestation of what was true before the foundation of the world. And this is the day God just lets it all go. It's Gethsemane. So that the priest would mala, he would press. Then the, the third part of the ceremony was called, it is finished. When once he would press the goat, at exactly the ninth hour, he would pull the goat's head back and in a loud voice would proclaim, it is finished. Think about your gospel stories. At exactly the ninth hour, Jesus proclaims in a loud voice, it is finished. Now, why would the priest proclaim in a loud voice, it is finished? Because everybody's outside. The proclamation, it is finished, are for those people on the outside so they would know what was going on. On, He would then cut the goat's throat which would then make blood go everywhere. He would then catch the goat's blood in this cone-shaped cylinder broad at the top narrow at the bottom and he would swirl it because the blood had to stay alive for it to be acceptable and he would swirl it and he would proclaim in a loud voice, don't touch me, don't touch me, I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice. Think about your gospel writers. It says, after all these things, Jesus met two women in a garden. And what does he say? Hello? No, he doesn't say hello. He says, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended. This is Yom Kippur language. In other words, is Jesus the physical manifestation of the day God just lets it all go? The the, the priest would then walk into the Holy of Holies, swirling this cone-shaped thing of blood. He would then sprinkle the blood on the altar seven times. That Different message for a different day. He'd sprinkle the blood on the altar seven times, and then he would come out a bloody, nasty mess. He then had to present his hands to witnesses the idea is is how do we know god didn't kill you in there you have to prove god accepted the sacrifice by showing us your hands think about your gospel writers after all these things jesus appears to the witnesses in the upper room and what does he do he presents his hands for inspection is it, is this the day the gospel writers are using very common Yom Kippur language to wait a minute, hey, you know that day that God just lets it all go and gives everybody a clean slate, a fresh start, a mulligan, an opportunity to write a better story? Maybe we're watching this right here in front of us. Once the priest was verified as having skin on. He would then go to the wash basin and he would wash his hands to clean himself up before the second part of the ceremony. So this is the goat for the Lord. And as you're paying attention, you can see where the common imagery was presented in the Gospels as, hey, you know that day that God just lets it all go and gives everybody a clean slate, a fresh start, a second chance, an opportunity to write a better story? I think we're witnessing this right in front of us with what God is doing in Christ. Because in Christ, there's a there's a press, a Gethsemane. It is finished. There's a don't touch me, and there's a washing of the hands. But that is only half the story because this day didn't just center around one goat. It centered around two goats, one lot for the Lord. And the other guy, this is really important. What was his name? Everybody together. Azazel. And Azazel means take him away. This is in the same passage of Scripture. Check this next. When Aaron Aaron is finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, in other words, everything I just talked about, he shall bring forward the live goat. The live goat's name is Azazel, means to take him away. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat, mala, and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites. All their sins. Now, I can read that in Hebrew, and I can tell you the word all there is actually all. Because all says all, so let's leave all all. Because if all says all, let's let it mean all. Because if all doesn't mean all, you run the risk of your regret not falling in the category of all. And if your regret doesn't fall in the category of all, you might have a really, really, really big mess for the rest of your life. So when it says all, let's leave it all because all says all, and it's better if we leave it all. So all says all, so let's leave it all. Yes, even that. But he left his wife for another woman. I know. Oh. Oh. But he can't beat his drug habit. I know. I know. Oh. Oh. But he's a glutton who habitually overeats and eats too many calories for his body, and that's strictly forbidden. I know. I know. Oh. But he's a homosexual. I know. I know. Oh. So let's not make exceptions to all, because all means all. And this day is more beautiful than the exception you can think of. Because all says all, let's leave it all. And everybody's regrets falls into certain buckets, and all means all. So, (laughs) the priests would come out and confess over all their sins and put them on the goat's head. So you have my law, you have this idea of placing something on a goat's head. We'll talk about that in a second. He shall then send the goat away. There's that take him away. Into the desert in the care of a man appointed to the test. Here's the idea. Somebody has to be put in charge of the Azazel to remove him. Keep going. The goat will carry on itself how many of their sins? All their sins to a solitary place. And the man shall release it into the desert. The man who releases the goat as the Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come into the camp. So first was the goat for the Lord. But this day didn't center around just one goat. This centered around two goats. The first goat was for the Lord, and the second was for Azazel, which means to take him away. Next slide. So here was the ceremony to Azazel. Ah, they would bring a terrified goat out in front of everybody. He knows what just happened to his friend inside, and he doesn't know what is going on. <laughs> the first thing that would happen is the priest would ma'la. He would take all the sins of Israel and he would place it over the head of this goat. Some people that imagery wasn't enough. So what they would do is they would actually attach it to the goat's head. The way they would do that is they would take a scarlet woolen thread. You could read about this in Leviticus 16, Leviticus 23. I didn't want to bore you with all the details. So what they would do is they would hold the goat's head, take a scarlet woolen thread, a red cord, and they would wrap it around The goat's head. The priest would then step back and say, Behold, Israel, your sin. And the goat would be standing there with red wrapping wrapped around his head. Hang on a second. Think about your Gospels. It says that Jesus, as a part of his trial, they took his head and wrapped it in thorns. Well, If you wrap thorns around a human being's head, what color would the wrapping become? Red. Is this the day God just lets it all go? Is this the Azazel? What's happening here? The the next thing they would do is they would walk the goat through the crowd. Think about it. And they walked Jesus through the crowd. And there was no microphones, obviously, or anything like that. What the priest would do is he would say, Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed from you as far as the east is from the west. The priest would then declare a man in charge of the Azazel, and the man in charge of the Azazel would go about releasing him into the desert. I've been to where this happens, and they would have people placed along the way, 10 flag wavers, who would tell the people, that's flag two, that's flag three. Release it as far as you can from the desert. When the priest would release the the goat into the desert and the man, care of a man appointed to test, he would cut a piece of the red cord and he would hang it from the temple door and then the priest would go about doing things Now this is where the day gets boring because you can't do anything you're literally forbidden from doing anything and it's taking forever for this goat to go away so it was like <laughs> now what they started to do later on is they started to throw the goat off a cliff The reason is twofold. One, it's just in us to be mean, number one. Number two, what happened is one Yom Kippur, after they released the goat into the desert, four days later, he found his way home, right? And so everybody's sins came back, right? So there's this like loaded goat, right? And so to keep that from ever happening, they're like, no, no, we're going to throw the goat off the cliff. And by the way, that's where the. Uh, did your grandmother ever tell you, like, like when you were a kid, if they, if, if, you did something dumb and your friends were making fun of you, did your grandmother say, "Hey, don't let them get your goat"? Yeah, that's that's the etymology of that. To to get someone's goat is taking something they'd be ashamed of and bringing it back. Which, mm, by the way, for the Church of Jesus Christ, we should always be goat removers and never goat bringers. This should be the place of fresh starts, clean slates, second chances, and the opportunity to write a better story. The church of Jesus Christ cannot, in the name of Jesus Christ, bring up people's regrets and failures, or you're becoming the weapon in the hand of the enemy that God is removing. And I don't think we want to do that. So the next time someone brings up your past or your failure, here's your response. You know what? You're right. The problem is I just don't see my goat anywhere, right? Right? This is the idea. The, The idea is that goats... That God is in the goat removal business, not the goat bringing business. Because when we bring up people's failures, we're becoming the weapon in the hand of the enemy that God is removing. We don't want to be the one bringing the goat back. So they started throwing the goat off the cliff. Now what would happen is if you could picture this, right? Picture half a million people not allowed to do anything. Now, the priest went about doing stuff. The priest was like doing things like burning the ashes of the red heifer. You know, things like this. And so they would he was at work. But you never knew that the goat was removed until a miracle happened. And the Talmud says that the same miracle happened every year on Yom Kippur. And that is when the goat was finally removed into the wilderness. The people knew that God had accepted it because the red cord would turn white. And when the red cord turned white, it was the indication to the people that it's all done. The goat for the Lord has accomplished something in private. The goat for Azazel has been taken away in public and everybody gets a fresh start. Everybody gets a second chance. Everybody gets a clean slate. Everybody gets an opportunity to write a better story. Think about the prophet Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be made white as snow. This is Yom Kippur language. But here's the problem. If you could try to feel the emotions in the crowd, half a million people standing there with this holy, divine, inspired confirmation from heaven that whatever you're feeling that God is holding against you, here is proof that he's not. The cord has turned white. Now, what... Would the general feeling in the place be relief, exuberance, a temptation to celebrate? Here's the problem. You weren't allowed to do anything. You weren't allowed to shout because somebody eventually would make shouting the key to forgiveness. You weren't allowed to clap because somebody will always make it about some ritual we do. We've done it in the the last hundred years. We we made salvation almost entirely dependent on some magic prayer. Do our prayer and then God, like, wait a minute. And look, I've led thousands of people to the Lord by helping them with words to consent to Christ. But it's not like people don't come to Christ in all kinds of awesome, awesome ways where Jesus is consenting in love and then meeting them anywhere they are, right where they are the rest of the way. They can't shout. It's forbidden, can't clap, Shabbat Shabbaton. Why, because if you start shouting and clapping and the cord turns white, somebody's gonna tie that together and go, yep, that's the key. It's not, no, no, this is all God, 100% God. Can you imagine watching that cord turn white <laughs> and you're not allowed to do anything until Yom Kippur is over? <laughs> Which leads to this, what made Yom Kippur over? Well, when the priest noticed that the cord turned white, Doubtlessly because of the buzz of the crowd. He would acknowledge that the cord had turned white. And Yom Kippur ended with the simplest move you can possibly imagine. There was a big chair on the temple steps. And when the priest acknowledged that the cord has turned white, the goat for the Lord has done his part. The goat for Azazel has now done his part and the cord has turned white. The priest would acknowledge it by simply sitting and when the priest sat down it was the indication that everything is done there's nothing else left to do everybody has an empty bucket a clean slate a fresh start a second chance and the opportunity to write a better story and when the priest sat down I'm trying to find the Jewish word for this it's been a long time since I've talked about this topic um they went nuts (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because when you get a revelation that all of those regrets are emptied out and you get an opportunity from this day to write a different story for your next year, that is simply the most empowering place you could be. Now, what you do with that clean slate is totally up to you. Whether you take responsibility and write a better story, that is totally up to you. If you choose to blame and disempower yourself from writing a better story, that's on you as well. But on God's terms, the bucket. Are empty. Everybody gets a clean slate. Everybody gets a fresh start. Everybody gets a second chance. Everybody gets an opportunity to write a better story. And they go bananas. They're blowing horns and clapping and shouting. Why? Because when you get a revelation that none of those regrets are being held against you, that's worth celebrating. There's this one guy that experienced this and he wrote his experience down. And it got translated into English in a very old school sort of King James version sort of way. So excuse the old school language, but what he says is quite beautiful. Next slide. He's writing as a person observing this. And this is what he says. He then fastened a scarlet woolen thread to the head of the goat for Azazel. And laying his hands upon it again, recited the following confession of sin and prayer for forgiveness. O Lord, I've acted with iniquities, trespasses, and sins before you. I, my household, and the sons of Aaron, your holy ones, O Lord, forgive the iniquities, transgressions, and sins that I, my household, and Aaron's children, your holy people, committed before you. As it is written in the law of Moses, your servant, for on this day he will forgive you to cleanse you from all your sins before the Lord, and you will be clean. Wow, this is Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is today. But hang on a second. Let me test your knowledge of the passion and your knowledge of what we talked about for the last 25 minutes. This day centered around two goats. One goat for the Lord and the other goat is very important. What was his name? His name was together Azazel. And Azazel means, take him away. Anybody in here seen The Passion of the Christ? You like Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, right? Anybody watch it twice? No, No, something wrong with you if you did. Who could watch somebody be beat up like that, you know? I want to test your knowledge The Passion of the Christ. You you, you know, Easter plays. Every Easter this happens, right? you, You know the basic passion story. Jesus is arrested in the middle of the night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's given a fake trial in Caiaphas' back court, which I have a picture. You know how the Easter movies, they always have it in the middle of the day with hundreds of thousands of people, right? No chance. I, the whole thing took place in Caiaphas' back court, which easily would fit on this stage. You're trying him in the middle of the night because he's too popular to execute in the middle of the day without a riot. There's a whole big problem. They have to get Pilate involved. Pilate has to get Herod involved because he's from Galilee, but technically he's in Jerusalem, which is under Pilate's jurisdiction. But Galilee is technically under Herod's jurisdiction, so Pilate doesn't want to cross up with Herod. So they all end up there, and nobody wants to hurt him. But there's so much pressure from this few people who can't stand him that Pilate doesn't want a riot to start. And remember what Pilate says. Pilate's like, I don't want to hurt him. Remember Pilate's wife is like, don't hurt this dude. What's wrong with you? And he's like, I can't have a riot. Caesar doesn't like that. And so Pilate says to the crowd, okay, I'll leave it up to you. What do you want me to do with him? And they start chanting something very famous. They start chanting what? Everybody together? Crucify him. Crucify him. It's in every movie, every play, every passion story. Here's the problem. It's not what they said. It was the day of preparation for Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away and crucify him. Hang on a second. If a Jewish crowd is shouting, take him away, what word are they saying? Azazel, Azazel, Azazel. Are we witnessing the day God just lets it all go? But wait a minute. In Leviticus, it says... Someone has to be put in charge of the Azazel. And remember what Jesus says to Pilate? You've been given charge over me. And it says after the person in charge of the Azazel is done with the Azazel, what must he do? He's got to wash his hands. Next slide. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead the uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. Is this Yom Kippur happening right in front of us? Is the day God just lets it all go being physically manifested right here? What was true before the foundation of the world is happening right here in front of us. Oh, but hang on. How does Yom Kippur end? Yom Kippur ends when the priest sits. Next slide. Day after day, every priest stands. A standing priest means what? You have more duties to perform. And performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he has now sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, the New Testament gospel is our priest is sitting. Which leads me to this question. Have we ever engaged in behaviors where we ask Jesus to stand back up? We bring up someone's failure until they do what we say, which is sort of like, Jesus, I know you did it all, and I know you accomplished it all, but if you could just stand up, because we really need them to do our ritual so we can control them with spiritual guilt, that would be really good. So if you could just stand back up, and then we wonder why that's less compelling than a priest that's sitting. You say, I know, I know, but you don't understand what I did. I know, I don't understand what you did, but I know the good news is better than that failure. The good news is our priest is sitting down. What can you do to out? Do what has been accomplished for this is the most universal Yom Kippur you can imagine. Evidently, this wasn't just about Jews, this was about everybody, everywhere. First John chapter 2, he's talking about Yom Kippur. Remember how First John 1 ends? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you say you're without sin, you're sort of a liar, right? Watch what what he says. My dear children, I love that, dear children, (laughs) I write this to you so that you will not sin. Stop. In other words, the only appropriate response to the grace of God is to choose to live better. Like... If you get a clean slate, write a better story, right? Like if you fail an exam and the teacher's like, you're smarter than that, I'm gonna let you take it over, write different answers, right? If if you hit your golf shot in the water and your friend says, I was talking in your backswing, I'm gonna give you another go, aim different, right? If you break the law and a clever lawyer gets you off, Stop breaking the law, right? Dear children, the only appropriate response to the grace of God is to choose to live different. You don't want to be a forgiven person who repetitively ruins their life. It's not that God doesn't forgive you. It's that you're not taking advantage of the clean slate on a yearly basis. Dear children. <laughs> I write this to you so that you will not sin. But watch, this, watch where he goes with this. But if anybody does sin, I love that. Dear children, I hope you don't. But if you do, (laughs) and you will, (laughs) we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. That's the same word Yom Kippur, the goat for the Lord. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of all Christians everywhere. (laughs) No. 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 Dear children, I hope you don't. But if you do, and you will, we can know we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, and not just for ours, but for everybody everywhere. Like, like we didn't think Jesus just died for us, did we? Because that would make us horrible. <laughs> Jesus is defending the sins. Yes, even that. Yes, even your cousin Earl. Yes. Yes, his brother Randy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evil ex-wife, Joy, and even the cook at the local diner, Crab Man. Yes, even them. You say, but Shane, you don't understand. My son's away from God. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. But is he living in God's world? Is he held together by God's name? Is God still gifting him with breath? Then Jesus is defending him or he would cease to exist. You can know that Jesus is readily defending him, waiting urgently with a stretched neck. Please come back. I want to get you back without paying you back. I want to get you back without paying you back. I want, to get you, I want you back in my house without you having to feel like you owe me anything. This is called good news. Yeah. Okay. Now, they say great teachers can summarize big things in one sentence. I need four, because <laughs> I'm not that good. So if I could get the musician guys back up. So um, let's think about today, because I gave you a lot of content. Let's take, let's think about tonight in four statements. Next slide. The hands have been washed. I know, but Shane, it's this thing. I, it's a crime. I, I committed a crime. I know. I know. And I wish you wouldn't have, but since you did, the good news is bigger than that crime. The good news is that the hands have been washed and you can take responsibility and change your life going forward from right now because God wants to get us back without paying us back. Let's maybe say it this way. Next slide. The cord has turned white. Shane, you don't understand. I went through this divorce and it was like, I know, I know. I wish you wouldn't have. The pain was unbelievable. But since you did, you can know that Jesus is defending you too. Why? Because he's defending the whole flipping world and you just happen to be a part of it. You're not the exception to Jesus defending people. The good news is better than that failure. But Shane, you understand, my marriage failure was entirely my fault. I know. I know. And I wish you wouldn't have. But since you did, you can know that Jesus is defending you too. And the good news is better than that failure. The good news is the cord has turned white. The good news is bigger than that regret. It's the cord has turned white. Let's say it maybe another way. Next slide. The priest has sat down. But Shane, you don't understand. It's this addiction. I can't seem to kick it. I know. I know. And I wish you wouldn't have. But since you did, you can know the good news is better than that addiction. Addiction. The good news is our priest is sitting down, and you have a chance starting right now to take responsibility for your life and take the clean slate and write a better story. Take the second chance and do something with it. But maybe the best way for us to remember tonight is maybe this. Next slide. The goat has left the building. Uh, Azazelvis has left the building. But Shane, you don't understand. There's this thing. I can't seem to beat it. I know. I know. Dear children, I wish you'd stop. But since you didn't, the good news is better than that failure. The good news is that your goat has left the building. affair. I know. Five years ago. Let it go. The good news is better than that. And please take the clean slate and change your life. Don't repeatedly ruin yourself over and over and over again. But the good news is better than that failure. The good news is your goat has left the building. You say, man, this thing, I, I just can't kick it. I know, I know, dear children, I know, I wish you wouldn't have, but since you did, Jesus is defending you and the whole world, giving us a clean slate, a fresh start, a second chance to write a better story. And the good news is better than our failures. The good news is the goat has left the building. Now, there's two ways to end tonight. One way is to do an altar call. And this is how that would look. If you've got regrets that you just need to let go. And today is no better day because today is literally Yom Kippur. The day that since Leviticus, everybody was getting a clean slate. Everybody was getting a fresh start. Everybody was getting a second chance. And I want you to get up here and let's, let's give these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. The only problem with that is I just wouldn't want to deal with all the snot and the tears and oh god I just honestly I don't want to deal with all that nothing wrong with it I just frankly don't want to deal with it (laughs) and it violates the spirit of Yom Kippur this is Yom Kippur And when the people get a revelation that their buckets are empty, their regrets are gone, and their goat has left the building, they go nuts. So you've been sitting long enough. I want you to stand to your feet, and here's what we're going to do. It's kind of of hard to tell a room of white people to go nuts. White people don't know what that means. Like, white people even dance, like, with their shoulders. It's like, hey. But here's... Here's one thing that's, like, universally easy to do that we can all do together, and that's clap to the beat of a song. Now, let me, let me explain this, right? So there's a way you can clap sort of mindlessly, like, right, right? But clapping in the ancient world had very significant meaning. Clapping together meant we agree. This is built into everything we do. Like I might make a handshake agreement with you. It means we're agreeing on something, right? Or if our team scores and we're happy, we might give each other a high five. When the hands come together, it's like this cosmic, universal, ethereal, atmospheric thing that goes, yes. And so here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna step off this stage in a second and I'm gonna leave it to them because they're good at this and I'm not, right? But here's what's gonna happen we are going to sing a fast beat song and we're going to clap on beat in unison and what's going to happen is faith is going to arise in this place and the fear, the guilt, the shame, the pain, it's not going to bother you one more day because the good news is better than that. The good news is your goat has left the building, the divorce, the failure, the addiction, the crime. The good news is better than that because the good news is your goat has left the building. Grace and peace, everybody. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.